0: Welcome to Level Up with Shirelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Welcome in Jess. We are so excited to have you here on the Level Up podcast. I actually don't think that we've talked about journaling as a concept much on the podcast or really educated a lot of people on the science behind it or CBT or anything that I guess you have a lot of knowledge in. So I wanted to give you a warm introduction and maybe you can give uh, our listeners a little bit of a bio or a little bit of a backstory about you and yeah, we can kick it off from there.
1: Yeah, sure. So um yeah, obviously I've got Archley's. So Archley's is basically tools to help you introspect and have a deeper conversation with yourself. And then how I got into that was just, I suppose, my own journey in terms of mental health and wanting to unravel parts of my own story. And yeah, it's kind of a fusion of those two things, journaling and then as you said, Charelle, like concepts from CBT. Mm, So yeah. Yeah. So
0: journaling is obviously like a practice that like Danny and I do a lot of and we have throughout like our fitness journey. But I'm really curious to hear from you, Jess, of like what got you into journaling and like i guess how it all started from you like a little bit of a backstory about who jess is
1: all right <laughs> come <laughs> on <take laughs> <us back. laughs> so the backstory is like i had a lot of mental health problems when i was a kid so like i don't know if it's triggering but like when i was 12 i made a couple of different suicide attempts and then i had a, like a lot of problems with eating disorders and bulimia and that sort of stuff so that was pretty rocky and then journaling was one of the tools that really helped But then journaling in combination with cognitive behavioral therapy was really a breakthrough because CBT at its core is basically looking at the narratives that we're using to describe our world and then breaking down what's not true about them. Mm. So often we get caught in these cycles of thinking with narratives that make us feel worse about the situation that we're in. So finding out what those narratives are and then reframing them for me was a really important part of the process, along with writing the things down that I was thinking and feeling.
0: Yeah, amazing. And thanks for sharing that. I think journaling is like an entry point for a lot of people to be able to explore themselves further and I guess understand a little bit about it. But even for myself, like there was always a lot of friction for me. And I might even just share with the listeners like where I first met you and sort of how I um, came to know Jess, because honestly we are like in completely different industries and danny and i always talk about wanting to get like different um opinions and different expertise and people from different niches like in the podcast don't we, danny like fitness is just such a small bubble and it's so cool to be able to have yourself like from more of a i guess a personal development um like branding marketing background and mental health background come in and share your knowledge but i was first or i first met jess uh one of my clients becky shout out to becky um she obviously uh, is a client in the women's health movement. And I remember just having some conversations with her on one of our grow calls. And it was the first time I really heard someone speak in that way, like marketing and branding and from like a different lens to what I had with health and fitness. And I was thinking, who are you? Like, what? Where? What do you do for work? Like, where do you where do you learn these concepts? And then, um, she was like, "Oh yeah, I do like a little bit of work with Archleys, and I'm in sort of the branding space." And I was like, "What is Archely's? What is that? Is that a book?" Like, and then I was looking at the website and I was having a look around. And you'll be able to speak on this, Jess. But, um, like you mentioned, like Archleys is like a brand, and it helps you, I guess, like have a conversation with yourself, and it uses cues and prompts and cards to be able to explore journaling. So I was looking at this, and I was like, "This is so fantastic." because I think a blank piece of paper sitting down to journal is so intimidating for a lot of people. It's like, what do I do? Where do I start? And when I was looking at your cards, I was like, oh, that's such an interesting concept. Like some of these cues just resonated with me. And I felt like I could have flow and I could just put pen to paper and just go with it. So that was, I guess, my introduction to Elise. And I was like, who's behind this? (laughs) There's obviously someone. And then I come across you and I was talking to Becky and I was like, oh, do you reckon Jess would want to come into the community and do a workshop for us on journaling? Because felt a little bit inauthentic me coming in, doing it, being like, look, I still have friction around this too. So I would rather get someone who has created like a product, systems, processes, thoughts um, around how to do this in a more simple way uh, and get them to lead it. So Obviously, Jess and a lot of the girls listening to this um, like, will be familiar with you coming in and running that workshop for us. And I was like, you just summarised everything so beautifully in that journaling workshop for the girls. And it's still something that, like... They watch a lot and I tag people in all the time and I'm like, watch this, watch this. It'll really help you unpack a little bit more beyond what we're capable of doing as coaches, right, Danny? Because there's like a line as well and people need to explore things on their own and learn how to do this uh, independently as well. So that was like my introduction, I guess, to you, Jess. (laughs) I'd love to hear from you like what was your, I guess, impression coming in? Was that the first time you'd done
1: something like that? Your yeah for your kind of audience one hundred percent. So I've done journaling workshops before, but yeah for your audience one hundred percent. And yeah, I think that's kind of what's special about yeah what we're creating because like everything to do with body is so important, which links to the whole CBT thing because it's like when your body's dysregulated, your narratives are automatically negative. So this fusion of those two things together, yeah, it's so fundamental. So yeah. 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 Yeah, it's yeah. so good to have you on, Jess. I'm going to say hello and so
2: nice to meet you and I actually had the honor of receiving one of the first um, copies of the journal that you guys created and it truly is a masterpiece. It's definitely um, the product of a lot of science and thoughts and, and experience from both of you guys in the industry and what Cheryl and I are so uh, passionate about Um, when we talk on the podcast is not separating fitness from mental health or social health and emotional health. We really want to continue to reiterate to our listeners and to everyone that you can't just have one element of quote unquote health. There's so many parts into it. And, you know, a lot of it, or all of it, starts from the mind and being able to regulate your body and, and therefore your thoughts flow into that. And, and the body is just a byproduct. So it's so exciting to have you on just to have an expert in journaling and with your own background that you, you shared with us before. And, you know, you, you walk the walk, not just talk the talk. So I'm really excited to hear about how you can navigate us through those times when we might have thoughts come up or, as Sherelle mentioned, friction friction to putting pen to paper. Like it, it can be intimidating just to not even get your thoughts out, but just to tune in and, and find out what's really going on. I find that can be the first point that's actually the hardest, to, to let go of all of our band-aids and, and everything and say, hey, something's actually going on here. What's the first step? So yeah, really keen to have you on.
1: Oh, thank you. (laughs) I would
0: love to hear from you, Jess. So you mentioned like your mental health background is what got you into journaling.
1: Was journaling just something that you stumbled across in that or was it something that was recommended or? It was something that I kind of just naturally lent into, but the problem that I was having was like the narratives were really negative. So even though it was providing like some kind of relief because it was so negative, that that was kind of still keeping me in that mental space. So what I wanted to do was like, there's a lot of studies that have shown that just writing down negative narratives does reduce anxiety, but then I wanted to create something that would go like a step further, which is using those questions to really break down and break free of those narratives. Mm Because I think in terms of like the way that our brain's wired, I like to think of it like walking a path. It's like, if you're used to thinking in a particular way, it's like walking the path that's most worn. Whereas if you want to break out of that and try and think about something differently, it's like it's a little bit more difficult to start walking down a new path the first time. But you can train yourself to start to think with those new narratives. And that's mm-hmm. why, yeah, asking questions, using CBT and then bringing in gratitude so essential so that you're not only yeah, putting pen to paper, but then you're reshaping the way that you're thinking. Yeah, massive. And that. it's
0: one of the reasons I'm like, like a gate, I'm like listening and I'm like whoa it's everything we talk about in fitness right danny it's sort of like mm-hmm. neuroplasticity like you know repetition practice and it's no surprise that obviously like what we do in our physical um like well-being and journey it's the exact same like the principles are the same from repetition and learning new skills so I'd love to like hear from you Jess like whether you have a biased opinion or not do you feel like journaling is for everyone or do you feel like a specific type of person um should be journaling or shouldn't be journeying journaling
1: like who is it for I think it's definitely for everyone, like 100%, because I think that it's something that you can anchor onto like difficult life experiences or new life experiences. So, like a tip that I kind of give people if they're struggling with it is like do something small, like a practice each day that could be something anchored around gratitude, but then also just give yourself the challenge of when you're coming up against a difficulty, like whether it is that you're changing jobs or you're breaking up with someone, use that as a space to really deep dive. So ask yourself to just sit down for an hour in that space and really unpick and unpack everything that's going on. So anchor it onto like, yeah, big life circumstances or milestones that you're moving through. Mm. Yep.
2: Fantastic. So- In terms of the science around journaling, do you mind sharing that? I mean, because a lot of people, there's stereotypes out there and saying, oh, you know, it's not going to help. And I really want this episode because the people who love journaling love journaling. We need to show the people who are missing out on such an amazing tool, like the benefits. So please share some of the science behind it.
1: Yeah, sure. So there's one really good study by Michigan State University. And what they did was they took a bunch of university students that identified as having anxiety. I think it was like a pool of 400 and they broke them into two groups Groups and they got one group just to write down normal stuff. And then they got the other group to write down things that were like emotionally charged in their heads. And then they got them to do a test. And when they did this test, it showed that they got the same results, but the group who did the emotional writing, they used less cognitive power as they were doing the test. So it literally proved that by getting all of those worries off of their minds and onto the page, it reduced cognitive load. Mm. So that's one. And that was just eight minutes of journaling, which I found incredible. And then there was another one that was done over like a four month period where they got people to write for 15 to 20 minutes a day. And it showed a whole host of health benefits. Like it was um, improved liver function, improved blood pressure, better sleeping, like a whole bunch of different things. And basically they said that the reason why is it just aligns to reduction in stress. So they got all of the, yeah, the physical kind of benefits of stress reduction. And that's kind of what that, that study proved. And that was over a four month period. So I thought that was a really interesting one as well. So yeah, it helps your health.
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely. that's incredible. And I think like a lot of the time we talk about habits, right and we talk about you know journaling not just as something that we just do, like dear diary, we always joke about that, Danny yeah. you know we all we've all got like a bit of trauma from like our diaries being stolen, you know, and <laughs> we're reading our love notes from our ex-boyfriend God, I am reliving that as I speak. <laughs> Um, (laughs) But journaling is so much more than that, right? Like it is a practice to be able to not only enhance like your physical health, and it's crazy to hear like, you know, like, blood work and pathology, like those sorts of things. And I have no doubt in my mind that it's absolutely true. And we always reference, you know, like Gary Vee won't get airtime, but Joe Dispenza, right? Like <laughs> the placebo effect, incredible book. Mm. Um, And he talks about how literally people like cure like cancer and just crazy things by changing their thought processes. And obviously journaling is like a space to start that. And I think as well, Jess, it's probably one of the big reasons why we like initially joined forces to create habitual self because I myself and you'd be able to agree Danny what makes someone a healthy individual is their habits um and then the way in which they do that it has to come from a place of self-discipline um, and anchoring yourself to a daily practice. Easier said than done when we're in such a like a fast um, a fast paced world where we're like so busy to get to the gym or get to work or driving through traffic like we don't actually stop and pause to journal and like what you said, Danny, like a blank piece of paper like it's intimidating for people and I myself am like I don't have time to sit down for an hour and journal like it probably sounds like a Jess is like shut up, Cheryl like you should do um but it's probably one of the big reasons why I was like. need to create a journal that's easy for people that's quick that's effective that's going to help people build habits habits stack and almost ingrain like journaling as a habit as well because there's friction there uh, too so i'd love to hear from you jess because it's just that's just my impression like was that your thoughts behind habitual self as well
1: yeah, hundred percent. Like I think that the, the fusion of like your, your lens around language and your lens around mindset and that positive reinforcement, I think that that resonated with me so much. So yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying, like making it easy for people, like mm. something that's unintimidating, something that asks them to really like focus on like the positive parts of their day and get them into a good mindset. Yeah. I think it's fundamental because that is what rewires neurology. So mm. Yeah
0: what about you, Danny? Like, I'd love to hear from you in terms of like your experience with journaling and like, whether it's something that you still do, whether it's something that you enjoy, I'd love to hear yours.
2: Thanks, Sherelle. Um, well, this morning I did take the new journal for a spin and it was very nice. And I was um, off air telling Sherelle all the beautiful details. Like <laughs> there's a, a ribbon where you can mark the page that you're on. That's good. And, you know, I, I, I personally, as I said, I've tried a lot of journals, but um, it's been very on and off. And then sometimes when I'm feeling really good, I don't journal, but then I've sort of realized, hey, it's not always just about writing when you don't feel good. As you said, you you need to acknowledge like the daily wins and set the tone for the day and and all of that. So I found There have been periods of months in which I felt like I didn't need to journal as much, maybe because my mindset was, you know, I was doing it in my head a little bit, but nothing beats the power of just getting your thoughts out Mm. and you might not read it ever again. Sometimes I used to write it down and then I wouldn't do this to your journal but scrunch up the page and throw it away. You know what I mean? Like just get it out because often people Try to seek that comfort or space from another human. But that other person might not need to receive what you're trying to put on them. So, you know, the journal's not going to talk back. It's not going to wear that heavy emotion and stress that you might put into it. It's quite a personal thing. And um, it is so important to have morning and nighttime practices of reflection. You know, not everything's going to be amazing and not everything has to be doom and gloom, but it it's that first step into saying, "Hey, I'm I can't hide from myself anymore. Here it is." Mm-hmm. And you can even take some of the emotion out of it sometimes, you know, as you said the narrative in our head is often so much worse and and everything, but then if you look at it objectively, it seems to be a lot easier to tackle what's going on.
1: Yeah. I think it's a good point too, what you're saying about not necessarily bringing your problems to other people. Cause I think that's the trouble is like, if we do take our problems to other people, sometimes that really taints our lens. And sometimes we lose sight of like what our own internal navigation system was saying. But when we ask ourselves to like really look at the problem from all different angles within ourselves first, then we can remember like how we actually felt before we brought in everybody else's voice.
0: Mm. If I asked you Jess, like, why do you think that people stop and start? Because I was saying to Luke the other day, I was like, you know, I know that I'm going to sell, like we're going to sell some of these journals and people aren't going to finish them. And it's going to make me really (laughs) sad because that's just human psychology, right? Like the amount of people that buy stuff and don't follow through, like it's accountability. And it's like, it's it's the like none of us would probably have jobs, (laughs) right? Like if we weren't holding people accountable to some sense of being able to do that as a part of what we do. I'd love to hear from you, like what do you think derails people from, I guess, starting a journaling practice and then falling off track and stopping?
1: That's a good question. I think sometimes it's because people feel that it's really heavy. So when they are like going through that process and trying to make themselves right for forever, or when they're going into stuff and it just feels really heavy and they feel really emotional. I think sometimes they feel like getting really emotional is counterproductive, but it is productive because you're like expelling the emotions and you're processing something that's happened in your past. So even though it might not feel that good in the moment, it's actually really important to release those emotions and process Mm. what's happened. And there's other research that's been done around that, that basically once we've gotten the emotions out of our system, each time we look back at them, some of that emotional tension like lessens. So it's like the more times you look back at, say, a traumatic event, not that I'm recommending this without like a therapist, but mm-hmm. journaling in terms of trauma, the more times you write about it, most of the time it starts to reduce the emotional sting attached to it. And mm-hmm. that means you're less likely to get triggered when that sort of situation arises again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I Fantastic. think so too. I think as well, like when you came in, Jess, and you did the workshop with the girls, you're like, um, there was a concept you called morning pages. Um and it was like, you know, you're like just three pages. And I was like, three pages? Yes. <laughs> it's Julia Gamba's concept. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's that's a lot, right? And that's yeah. I took that in mind with um with habitual self. I was like, no, 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 like no more than five minutes total. Yeah. <laughs> Um, is what we want that I know my I know the the way that a lot of us function high achievers like we've got shit to do right like and we want to be able to do something that's quick and effective um, at the same time and obviously like there is a time and a place for long form journaling where maybe do people want to sit down for half an hour and explore something because if you are like what you said going in deep um, which is what a lot of people use journaling for you're not going to do that in five minutes and it's really important to understand that Um, but I guess for you like how can you encourage people to maybe not go in so deep? Like what's a gentle way to start so that people don't get intimidated by, I guess, the weight of that?
1: I would look at something in your life that you're not happy with. So if it's like how you're showing up in a relationship or if it's something that you want to improve about work and just pick that piece to focus on and Mm -hmm. start having a conversation with yourself about that. Start asking more questions around that space and then start also trying to see what things you could potentially action So like if it is a relationship, yeah, really working on like what are the problems, how am I communicating, how am I being frustrating, how are they being frustrating and using that to start being more logical and really observe the situation from a bit of a distance because then you can start to see gradual changes in your behavior improving and the way that you're approaching the situation. And I think that's what makes it rewarding.
0: Yeah. So like
1: being specific and intentional with the practice that you're trying to do. Yeah, I think so. Because you can do that to start improving parts of your behavior. Like another tip would be too, like just removing judgment. So of how long it should go for the kinds of things that you should be writing down and really just letting yourself express whatever's in your head. Because I think a lot of the times, like just say we're having a negative narrative about a person in our lives, we kind of don't want it to admit it to ourselves. Because we're like, mm. oh, I don't want to be a bitch or I don't want to be this or I don't be that, but like just write it down. Like it's fine. Like you're allowed to write whatever you want and no judgment. Just put the book down afterwards. And then later you can be like, oh, I wonder why like that is so triggering or why do I think that way? So you can, yeah, kind of unpack it in your head as the day progresses. So, yeah, Mm. no judgment.
2: I've (laughs) been in that situation in terms of like where you write it down in the morning or you might have or I might have lost sleep over something. And I don't know, things just seem a lot worse in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. So I would write it down and then in the morning wake up and go, oh, it's not actually that bad. Like, (laughs) (laughs) why did I lose sleep over this? And then you just sort of get on with it. And as the day goes on, it's like, oh, okay, but that narrative, it's just so powerful. And our brain is just so complex and amazing that, you know, we can create so many worries out of things that just don't exist. Um, And it's often, it's nice when you can write something down and then look back and and you just feel so much better about the situation. But I've definitely been uh, in that boat many times, but I find it a beautiful tool. Even have one next to your bed at night time, honestly, because so many people wake up in the night with these thoughts and the cortisol so high at those hours. Um, just, you know, pop it down, go back to sleep, and then wake mm. up and hopefully you can have a laugh about it. But if not, continue to explore it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah. With, um, I guess, the concept that you introduced me to, Jess, was like anchoring um, and sort of like anchoring your environment and anchoring the time to when you are journaling. Can you speak to us a little bit about like morning mindset and like nighttime prime and these concepts that, you know, are really great for anchoring a practice at different times and spaces in your
1: environment? Yeah, for sure. So like starting the day off with like the morning mindset is just awesome because Basically, what it means is, is you've already committed to something for one. So you've already sat down, you've already ticked that habit off, and then you've started your day off with a good mindset. So for example, if one of the mindset pieces that you wanted to tell yourself is every time I come up against a challenge, I'm going to take it, you know, with curiosity or with positivity or something like that, because you've told yourself that as that like situation might arise during the day, you're more likely to remember that that's the idea that you wanted to anchor into. So you can Mm -hmm. thread back to what you, yeah, what you set for yourself in the morning and what that intention was. And then in terms of the night, it's really interesting because like, as you go to sleep, that's when a lot of your processing is being done. So obviously the things that you've learned from the day are processed during the night. So if you end the day on gratitude, you've got more chance that that gratitude is going to be wired in um, when you wake up the next day. And that's why that piece around future gratitude too is important because if you can anchor something into your head that you can look forward to in the next day, you're more likely to wake up with that thing top of mind. So it kind of threads this gratitude piece, yeah, morning and night. Mm, yeah. And I,
0: I might even share, like when we first started designing um Habitual Self and like the templates for the actual journal, it was actually lockdown and it was COVID. And I felt like it was the journal that I needed during that time mm. to practice gratitude because man, it was freaking tough in Melbourne. We were all there yeah, at wow. some stage. And like gratitude was like everything during that time for everyone. Like we had to learn to be grateful for the things that were, that were around us. And with that nighttime prime piece, like the things I love it is um like the three questions, like sort of one of them internal, one of them external. Like what are you internally grateful for? That was really important for me during lockdown. And when external was just manic. Like there was not much externally that I was really grateful for at that time. But internally, like what were the things that I were doing? How was I showing up? Like what other things I can thank myself for and be internally grateful for and it's a lot of usually like characteristics whether it's like discipline or self-compassion or you know grit or perseverance or consistency like they're the usually internal pieces that you can thank and I found that really um powerful for myself because often when people mention gratitude they're grateful for all the external things or oh, my partner my morning coffee the sunshine which are all amazing but what happens when it's raining or your boyfriend friend goes away or like your doctor says you can't have caffeine you know like what happens when these things are taken away from you and that is what happened every week in lockdown it was like the thing I was grateful for which was freedom and sunshine was taken away uh, or the gym or whatever it is so I love like I guess the concept of gratitude and being able to internalize it and like look in and then also externalize it as well and look out and that was something that I honestly hadn't thought about until we started like thinking about gratitude in that way and then going through it myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I completely agree. And two, I like that it's built in the concept of like granular gratitude. So focusing on little moments Mm. so that rather than focusing on like big, big picture things, we're looking at like, yeah, little moments in the day. Cause to your point, like often the big picture things can fall over or we can fall into the other category, which is like shaming ourselves that we're not more happy given that we all live in kind of prosperous circumstances so yeah, focusing on small moments too, I think is yeah really, really key. Yeah, massive. Particularly for us high
2: achievers, right? I mean, we, we've all achieved some amazing things in our life on, on a scale that's relevant to us. But then to always chase that grand scale achievement is not realistic. I mean, and then even if we did, we miss those small, beautiful moments that can happen during the day or they are happening, but because our awareness is not on it then we can fall into the trap of not feeling enough because we haven't met up to those um, achievements that we may have once achieved. So it is so nice to be able to look for those little things internally as well personality traits or we might have have done something small to help someone else or, you know, had some self-care practices. But um, all of those little building blocks make up to that grand scale. And then if we do have a moment in which we achieve something, again, that's at the, the top of our scale, we can actually feel worthy of it and acknowledge that it's amazing and all of that. A lot of people and again, us high achievers or type A personalities, a lot of our listeners and in the fitness industry, are forever chasing something huge and the older I've gotten and the more people that I've gotten to know like they achieve those things but because the mindset's not quite right or they're doing it from a place of trying to prove other people wrong or you know self-hate unfortunately they just don't value that that big Mm -hmm. thing so it's just yeah so important to acknowledge the little wins as well
1: yeah 100% (laughs)
0: Passive. How do you, I guess, like use journaling as, for a tool in that way, Jess? Because I think a lot of people have that, Danny, right? They're always wanting the next big thing and trying to work towards the next big goal and I see it as a problem with not acknowledging the small wins like they can't even see the shit they're achieving it's so frustrating as a coach um Mm -hmm. when you're like can't you see how far you've come like is there a practice or I guess like maybe it's even some of your cards like I'm not sure but is there a way in which that you sort of do that
1: reflection piece of like acknowledging your wins with journaling Yeah, I think it really is like what we built in, like the internal, the external, and then the future. Just that reminder that you're supposed to thank yourself each day because no one else is going to thank you in some respects. So it really is up to you to find that within yourself, 100%. Mm. What about um,
2: like daily? What's your take, Jess, on daily affirmations and positive visualisation? I know some people can have... You know they they try and say something nice about themselves but then they might not believe that is it worth pursuing um what's your thoughts on affirmations and visualization
1: yeah, I'm pro affirmations, but I feel like people need to tailor them to themselves. Like I don't mm-hmm. like standing around in front of the mirror saying I am beautiful. It doesn't resonate, <laughs> like especially if I don't feel beautiful. Like I'd rather say something to myself like I'm getting smarter or yeah. like I'm getting a sharper mind or that, you know, the people who are, I in my life will value me for this, this and this qualities. So I think it's really important that we tailor it to something that's like an internal thing as well. Mm-hmm. Because it's a little bit risky when you want to affirm like something that's external. Like if beauty is in the sense of like your beautiful soul, that's one thing. But you got to be a little bit careful of trying to validate. Yeah, affirm maybe your values. That's kind of the way that I approach it. Mm,
2: I love yeah. that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I've never done.
1: Um, I've never done that to be honest. Like affirmations, to be
0: honest. Yeah. I got pep talk myself. Is that the same thing? That's yeah. Affirmations. I, yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> am <laughs> the shit. <laughs> Well, i yeah. do that on the leg like, press nearly a couple of times a week. That's affirmation. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same piece as like quotes, right? Like some days you're like, oh, my God, it's the universe, right? Yeah. Like a quote <laughs> a day. <and laughs> you know how like you'll say something online and people will be like, it's a sign, and you're like, yeah, it's a sign. Does yeah. like, <laughs> this resonate with people at different times? And that's like even going through like when we were going through, Jess, and we we're trying to come up with like, oh, I don't even know how many hundred quotes we put so many, man. in the journal and the amount of times I went through that list I'm like this isn't good this isn't good but then I'd go back the next day and I'm like oh no I love that one <laughs> I love that one can you speak to us a little bit about I guess because that's even a concept behind your archly cards right like you like flicking through and finding the thing that actually resonates with you
1: Yeah, 100%. Like it's a cool point that you're making because you're right, like different things resonate with you at different times. So like the Archleads deck is lots and lots of questions so that you can flip through all of the questions and see which ones like are sticky or triggering. So my favorite deck is like the disagreements deck. So it's like if you've had a disagreement with someone, reading through the questions is hopefully going to highlight what you haven't thought about. So I like to look at questions as like shining light on different areas of, of your thinking. So it's like you might have light shined in just like one particular direction. But then when you ask questions, it's sort of putting a spotlight in different areas so you can explore more, more of your internal map. So, yeah, I think that prompts and quotes and questions are really useful for that because it kind of asks your brain to, yeah, look at things that it might not be seeing.
0: Yeah, I love that concept because I think it's something that I like even with books, right? Like you might pick up one book um, one time and read it and then you might read it in another stage of your life and interpret it like completely different. Um, And I've definitely done that a few times where I'm like, huh, I didn't even take that lens from that book at that period of time. And I feel the same with like quotes and journaling. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I've
2: got to get my hands on these cards. I remember going to Cheryl's house once. I've actually and, got a deck
0: right here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> fantastic. I'll just fly down and grab one. No, I definitely um because sometimes you can get in your own head as well and 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 like you mentioned at the start, walking the same path whether it be positive or negative, but even in terms of mindset tools, I just find myself reverting back to the same thing, but as you guys have been saying, Sometimes it's not relevant on that mm. day. Um, so, yeah, to have as many tools as you can in the toolbox, it's very important
0: uh, to know where to shine the light. In your yeah. guys' words, so good. And- I love that. Even with the journal as well, like we've like embedded some of the like um, prompts and cues throughout it and like the way I use it because I'm like on my second one now, I'll like go through it and I'll be like, "Nah, that one doesn't resonate with me so I won't do it but I'll find one on a week that actually does mm-hmm. and then I'll often go back and forth. So I don't know how many there is. There might be like 12 to 15 um, throughout the the habitual self journal but we've just picked ones that sort of like resonated with us um, and, yeah, that's the way I use it because I really loved that thought, Jess, where it's. it's. It's like, don't pick on something that doesn't feel right like don't explore a concept that doesn't feel right like go with your own intuition Uh, and so often like a lot of us especially like those that are quite objective we shy away from those thoughts of being subjective and going with our gut feeling and all of those things but when it comes to like internal work and journaling and habit building like it is important to be able to go and use yourself as a moral compass and I think with that Jess like something I wanted to explore more was um, CBT we've mentioned it we've just dropped those three letters like everyone should know what CBT is Um, but I'd love for you to explain like what cognitive behavioral therapy is um, and
1: I guess how you were introduced to it. Yeah for sure so CBT like it's got a kind of few pieces but at its core it's basically that you are not your thoughts and there's on the one part of it it's looking at this fact that sometimes like your body sensations can trigger particular thoughts because your mind's trying to make sense out of what's happening. So for example, like if you haven't had a good night's sleep, you're more likely to have like those anxious, worried narratives. If you're not eating properly, if you're not doing all of the things that you guys tell everybody to do, Mm -hmm. like you're more likely to like step into those negative narratives. And then the other part of it is like this idea of looking at cognitive biases, which is my favorite part because it's looking at like the way that we think and the language that we use and the negative impact that can have. Like one example is like black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking. It's like when you think with words, like someone never listens to me, which is such a classic. If you're thinking with that language, when you come into a disagreement with someone, your brain is just going to be looking for more and more evidence that that person's not listening because that's the story that you've created in the situation. So once you've written that narrative down and you can understand it, you can start to ask yourself like, what's not true about that and start to shape something that's more nuanced and realistic. So Mm -hmm. Yes, at its core, there's a few different cognitive biases that CBT talks about and understanding those is so useful because then you can start to pick them up in the language that you think with. Mm. And how were you first introduced to um, CBT? I was given a book on CBT when I was 16 by a psychiatrist and it was was the biggest, fattest book and luckily (laughs) I liked the psychiatrist because I read the whole thing and that was when I was like, ah, this is the problem. Like, cause well, the- at 16, yeah. I was not
2: doing that. Oh <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, yeah. I started mm-hmm. young with mental health stuff, but like, yeah, like, cause 12 was when this whole thing sort of kicked off in terms of my mental health and the blah, 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 suicide stuff. But yeah, by 16, it was like, I-, I was still journaling, but the problem was I really realized it's the narratives. It's the way that I'm describing things. Like I'm describing things like there's no way out. And yeah, understanding that there's actually categories for thoughts and that other people think like this, it was so helpful and yeah, transformative because Mm -hmm. then I could start to shape the language and ask myself what wasn't true about the way I was seeing things.
2: In terms of the, and obviously everyone has different reasonings, but I I remember reading a Joe Dispenza book, um, breaking the habit of being yourself or something. And because like When we have self doubt or those thoughts and all of that, is that a survival mechanism? Or, I mean, yeah, do you mind just obviously it's a very deep topic and I don't want to go on too big of a tangent, but why do we seem to default to thoughts about? Like, for example, I might fall over on stage or sorry, Sherelle, because it's happened to you. I just, it's like the first thing you think of as a bikini model, but I'm trying to make it relevant to the industry. I might miss this lift or you're still fabulous. Don't worry. Why do we sort of have those default thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's a really cool question. So there's like a couple of different reasons. And one of them is because our brain processes physical pain in the same way it does emotional pain. So emotional pain is like our fear of being like rejected out of a group, being excluded, or even just the fear of being excluded. So when our brain thinks that we're at risk of something like humiliating us or something that's going to like affect our reputation negatively, it's scared that that's going to happen to us because we'll process it in the same way as pain. So it'll send out like a warning sign not to do something, like not to step into the spotlight or yeah, not to put ourselves at risk because, yeah, it's trying to protect us from pain in the same way it would tell us not to touch a hot stove. Um, yeah. And then in terms of like the worried thoughts, yeah, everybody has them because they're just, they're a pr- protective mechanisms. So it's all just based on survival, which I found really interesting too. Like I didn't realize that most people have negative thoughts most of the time. So like when we're worrying or we have anxiety, it's yeah, it's a hundred percent normal. It's just a part of our survival, unfortunately.
2: Yes. <laughs> Normalizing, feel- that's great. Sorry. Yeah.
0: yeah. It can feel so isolating, right? Like mm. you just think, oh, it's just me. Like, and we have this sort of like I don't know, like sometimes sometimes people I find can sit in self-pity for too long, like stay there for a little bit, but then get out. Like it's not helpful to stay there and not be able to move forward in some way. And I think people can get so trapped in, like it's just me. Um, but when we can like, I guess, zoom out and go, okay, it's not just me. Like everyone like lacks confidence. Everyone has self-doubt. Everyone has anxieties. Everyone has worries. Everyone's nervous. I'm nervous to launch habitual self. Like people think that I'm so confident. I'm like, no, no, no like I'm still nervous for things. Um, but I don't feel like I let that stop me. Like is there a way that you can sort of, like how do you use that CBT principle then? Like how do you use that to be able to do that?
1: Yeah, I think it's like basically recognizing that you're having the narrative, you're like, oh, okay, I'm having the thought that I'm gonna fall over on the stage or I'm having the thought that I'm gonna mess up or I'm having this thought. and then in like my case, I would write that thought down. And then when your brain starts thinking with that thought, you can just be like, ah, thank you, brain, for the warning. Like, I get that you're trying to protect me, but I don't want to engage with this thought right now, rather than like getting on the train of thought, because I think that's what we do. It's like we have a thought and we're like, ah, okay, now I've had this thought, I'm going to latch onto it. And I'm going to explore it. Like I'm going to think about falling over. Or I'm going to obsess Sorry, about this. Sorry, Cheryl, for bringing that one <laughs> up. <laughs> We're going to
2: repeat
0: it for the rest no, of the podcast. Onto that, <laughs> let's, let's say missing a lift in the gym. <laughs> but what part of that then? Because I was thinking, right, like if I just thought too much about it, I'd probably fall that over. That it would her. happen. Yeah. Like what? So what? How do you see it but not entertain it?
1: Well, for, oh, an example for me would be like I always get anxious when people don't return text messages. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, they probably don't like me. And it's never that. But I'm always like, oh, no, they don't like me. And I have that thought. And so, like, if I'm Reddit. having that thought.
0: <laughs> like <laughs> we're having a chart <laughs> knowing when people read your messages. The worst yeah, read,
1: Yeah. So it's like I'll, I'll just write that thought down. And then as soon as it pops up into my head, it's kind of a mindfulness practice just stepping back from it stepping back from it again and again and again and stepping back. So it's really trying to work out like what is worth exploring and what is just my mind chitter-chattering because it's just, it's doing its natural thing. It just naturally wants to make sure that people like me. And so that's why it's worrying about a text message. So just really getting clear and practicing like the difference between like an anxious chattering or something that's actually worth like deep diving into. Yeah, because how do you know what's actually true and what's not? That's the thing, it's difficult. Like, if it is something like text and intuition, like for me, the practice has been just writing down those narratives when they're there and then realizing how often they're irrational. Like, with the text Mm -hmm. thing, for example, it's like, well, it's like basically nine out of 10 times no one's pissed off at me. So, once I've realized that, it's like, okay, you have to drop the anxiety about text messages. Like, we're choosing for that. I'm choosing to place that in the category of irrational thought. And irrational thought is that's where that one's going to live. And therefore, I'm not going to indulge it anymore. Whereas if it's something a bit deeper, then, then you can explore it more with your journal and then you can try and take more proactive steps to resolve the situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Really well said. For um, like on that sort of topic, Jess, like with the the zooming out piece, like what, what was the. Penny dropping for you at 16 like I'm really curious because I'm just like visualizing myself at 16 and you know I wasn't reading like you know cbt books like I was sort of just winging it in year 10 like honestly and I'm just curious for you like what part of it was really interesting for you because I feel like I'm interested in this stuff now like I'm super interested in all this stuff now um 10 12 years later so I'm curious for you was there parts of the book was there like I guess things in your life that you were able to flip the script on and adopt some of these
1: practices that you found really helpful yeah like I think it was well at when when I was 12 like the thing that was said to me in the hospital was how can you do this to your parents and I was like oh damn okay like I'm gonna have to find a way to reframe my mindset and then I think at 16 reading that book the thing that resonated was yeah the understanding around the language so I should add too with CBT and these negative anxious thoughts that we might be having like one important thing to do is pay attention to the language because if you're using language that's like all or nothing thinking like I'm a failure, I have bad luck, nothing good ever happens to me, then you should recognize that as a thought that needs like to be worked on because mm-hmm. that's a thought that's labeling things in a blanket way that's just going to keep you stuck. And so I think when I was 16, I was like that concept really resonated with me because I I became aware that it was the language that those thoughts were tied into that was actually creating that really heavy emotional state. And that's when I felt more empowered to actually start trying to shape that language because I knew that that would be the key to me dragging myself into a more happier place. Mm. And it's taken time. It wasn't like I read that book and then.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that
1: was the key. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think
0: um, that's massive, right? Internal dialogue. It doesn't matter like what, who you are. Like, I think a lot of people have it. Like, it's so dominant in the fitness industry, right? Danny, everyone's like, mm-hmm. I'm fat, I'm lazy, I'm not disciplined, I'm yeah. unmotivated, I could never be this. Um, and I hear it all the time. And sometimes I remember what it feels like to do that, but it's honestly been a while since I've spoken about myself in that way. Like, you, I still might have those thoughts, you know, we all have fat days or whatever it might be, but I I would never verbalize it to myself anymore. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I hear like young women especially that I work with do it I want to shake them because I'm like don't speak to yourself like that because you're listening Um, and it's so important because it's going to dictate how you actually show up your confidence that you want to have like it's not given its earned through these sort of practices so for you like I guess is there anything that was really helpful right at the start with I guess this internal dialogue piece to do it in a way because it's so subconscious for a lot of people they don't even know that they're doing until you go would you say that to a friend they go, of course not. And then that's usually the, I find a really good prompt for people is to think about it like that. But is there anything that was, like I guess, is helpful to bring that to people's like conscious awareness?
1: Yeah. Like the journaling practice I recommend is like a three-part practice. So it's like starts off with open journaling. So just writing down all of your thoughts and feelings on the page without judgment. And that's so key. Like don't judge what's in your head. Just put it on the page. And then you can take a breather from that and you can come back on a different day or, or within the same session and then step into like this active practice. So look at the narratives that you're writing with and then ask yourself like, what's not true? Start to challenge those assumptions. Think about like, how can I flip the script? So if I've looked at all of the negative, how can I look at things in a positive light? If I'm looking at, you know, all of my feelings, how can I look at all of their feelings? So active is when you're asking questions and really trying to actually like shake that narrative up and and look at it from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then the third one is obviously like energetic or gratitude. So really looking for lessons, thanking yourself for the process. And then, yeah, really reaffirming to yourself that like next time you're going to step into a new reality because you've learned all of this wisdom from the the current situation. Mm -hmm. Mm, so that's so good. And then you can almost sort of set small
2: little goals that you can achieve in order to prove yourself the new narrative. I feel like we always need to prove it to ourselves almost. And, and you can use it as a positive or negative, but in the positive light, you know, as you mentioned, flipping the, the script in our mind or what we've written down, but then, okay, let's set up an action plan. What is something that I can do On this new path that we've created that I can tick off and say, hey, maybe I actually am a good person or, you know, I am actually capable of this. So I love the concept of getting it out of our mind and and working with the words, but then also, okay, how do we put it into a practice that's still challenging but not too overwhelming? Small Mm -hmm. steps again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess one of even like, I guess the principles in the habitual self journal that we made is like micro goals and micro habits. Because I think even when we looked at, even when we're talking about journaling, like we're saying a lot of people can be put off by the size of it. And like what you do with blank paper and I don't want to talk about my relationships. And I think at the start, like it's important to keep journaling superficial um, and habit-based stuff and focusing on actions and things that you can do, whether it's targets and even for our context, like fitness relationships goals getting to the gym looking after nutrition drinking water like whatever it might be it's a gentle way to include it because journaling is a habit and most people need to start ingraining that practice first before you start getting benefits from open journaling which is just like pen to paper letting it flow and actually getting value from it because I only feel like I've truly been journaling properly in the last two years. Like I reckon maybe for my first three or four years of attempting to journal, like Dear Diary, um, I was almost repeating my day. Like I don't know if anyone else, like today, you know, <laughs> like I used to just sort of repeat my day rather than know how to get deeper or ask positive questions and, or sorry, deep questions. And now I find myself like when I'm journaling because of like building it as a habit, um, learning how to focus on like mindset, growth, mindset, gratitude, and those concepts as well, now I actually feel like my journaling is productive um, and I'm actually discovering things in journaling rather than just going in hindsight and like naming my day. Is that something that you see like as well, Jess? Because I know that you obviously like teach this as well. Like, is this something uh, like a way that you see journaling evolve?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Like, I think it's so important to, it's like a first date. It's like, you can't expect the first date's going to be like, let's talk about all the deep stuff. It's like, no, it's going to probably mm-hmm. stay like pretty surface. And like, mm. you want to keep coming back to that conversation, slowly building up that muscle of talking to yourself. Yeah. Through something like the journal, it's, That's, yeah, it's really perfect for that. So you slowly build up that muscle and then you can start to ask yourself, can we go a little bit deeper? Because at the start, it's kind of strange talking to yourself with pen and paper. Like it doesn't necessarily feel natural. It takes time to, yeah, to build that kind of internal muscle, but with time, it does start to flow. Like it starts to flow like a conversation. And often I'm surprised by what I'll write because it really does come on the page. It comes onto the page more than it's coming into my head. So, yeah, mm. there's not really a separation between my mind and the pen. It's just, it's there, and then I can see it, which mm. is interesting. Yeah. That's so cool. And a bit
0: of motivation for people to sort of stick with it, just like anything, like any sort of habit, habit, things get easier. You start seeing the benefits from it. And you have to usually stay consistent enough for people um, to get those benefits. That's the tricky bit. It's like the first awkward date. Do you leave it there or do you know that the second's (laughs) going to be a little bit better? Like can you actually build that relationship? Um, Laughing because I'm thinking about mine and Luke's first (laughs) date. It's never good, right, is it? It's never good. (laughs) Um, But you build on top of there and voila, right? (laughs) You sort of get to it. Um, But I want to say to anyone that does get the habitual self journal, please, if you fall off track and you miss a day, because I know how hard it can be for people when there's daily um, tracking or tasks and you don't do it, you go, oh, stuff it. Not mount now, and that's that all or nothing like mentality that you were speaking about, Jess. That we really just want people to get rid of because it doesn't serve you in any area of your life. And if you can't tick all the boxes, honestly, it's the whole reason as to why we've developed things that that in the way that we have, you're not supposed to. Like you're not yeah. supposed to tick off all the boxes. And if you are, you're probably not setting the bar high enough um, because we need you to be like failing in a small, subtle way because honestly, that's how we grow. So if people do fall off track, regardless if it's with the journal, like with whatever you're doing in the gym, like you miss a session, um, you're not going to derail yourself. And it was actually Maddie who said this um, one time and I thought it was a great analogy. She said, if you get a flat tire, she said this in a coaching course, She's like, if you get a flat tire, Do you just go around with a knife and slash the other three tires or do you just change the flat tire and go on your merry way? And I was like, (laughs) so true, but we do this in so many areas of our lives. Like if we let the ball drop, if we don't go to the gym one day, do we just not do anything with our nutrition or our steps or we stay up all night on our phone? No, like we pick ourselves up and we focus on the other habits that are in our control as well. So I think when you've got tools like, you know, the habitual self journal or whatever you're doing, this is an opportunity to practice letting go of that all or nothing mindset. And it starts with keeping those small promises to yourself and making sure that you can have the discipline to actually be consistent when things aren't perfect. So much, like it's so easier said than done.
2: When we do sort of like have that all or nothing mindset, like or want to slash the other three ties, is that just the narrative having a stronger hold over us again? Or uh, again, there's probably not one answer, but just from a general um, general discussion like why do people tend to say oh well stuff it
1: I missed one or you know the example Sherelle said yeah I think it is a lot to do with language like often you're like "Ah, the other days of failure like I didn't do my morning thing the whole day is a failure or it's like now you've just written something off in its entirety so yeah that is like that that really like negative language that you're using to create like a blanket statement that then you've applied to the day but yeah, it's like exactly what you said, Sherelle. It's like you've just got to you've got to pick up and keep trying, and just realize that there is no there is no real failure. It's like something just slipped. So it's like, yeah, I had a little slip or a little setback or something like that. It wasn't, yeah, it's not it's not the end.
0: Mm. And I'm not a
1: failure if I haven't done one little thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I hate when people say like oh, I just I was off track, and I'm like, no, no, no you just took the scenic route. Like, you're not <laughs> oh, not I like that. <laughs> you just deviated. Like I went on holidays and I was off track. I'm like, why would you say that? You're not at all. Like you just you just your expectations look different and I think that's why we have to be flexible and adaptable with our habits like they're not always going to look the same right Danny? like we've been Mm. through it like the things that we did to have to go to pro are not the way we live our lives but that's what was required then so we're always like different versions of ourselves that are evolving neither is better or worse they're just different and I think we need to like approach habits and our own like personal development like in that sense too and yeah. just
2: recognize that, you know, life, it's never going to be a linear progression of success and amazing feelings and happiness and rainbows. It's like, okay, what are the tools that we can use ourselves to overcome challenges? Like just at the start, how you mentioned one of um, the affirmations or daily intentions could be, if I overcome a challenge, I'll I'll face it with positivity or um, being inquisitive or or that. Like, I think um yeah it's really important and even for myself sometimes to recognize you know adversity is going to come up in life particularly if we are seeking to to grow and have new challenges in our life it's it's not always going to be perfect as much as we would love it but it's about okay when shit does hit the fan like what are the tools that I've I've built for myself to be able to handle that in a good way without being completely derailed
1: mm. Yeah, 100%. Because I think, too, one of the like sadder things that I see people experience is like they will hit a goal or a milestone. And like they should use this, too, for when they're kind of comparing themselves to other people. Like I think everyone falls into like that kind of comparison trap. So it's like they'll kind of reach a milestone or a goal and then they start shaming themselves for like what they could have done better or they could have done differently. So I think, too, just being aware of the fact that everyone's in a different place in the journey. Your habits aren't going to look like somebody else's for some people have a um, more wired towards habits than other people. So it's like, if your habits are small and you're starting off in a place that maybe feels insignificant to you, like that's still brilliant. Like anything, any small change that you're making, it's, it's, it's only relative to you, not relative to the habits everybody else is doing. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah, just trying to compare yourself only to yourself. It's yeah, easier said than done, but really important.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really well said. Well, really, really, really good conversation, but something I wanted to
1: go into was like, A few
0: tips for people that do want to get into journaling like and stick to it and obviously find value from it. Like everything that we've mentioned today and like obviously you've got a lot of great practices and obviously we've got the habitual self journal there. Like there's lots of tools that you've got access to. But I guess do you have any tips for people like wanting to get into journaling?
1: Yeah, I think if, they, if you want to get into a daily practice, like honestly, it would be something like the habitual self journal. And then if you're looking to change a part of your life, I think it's really being intentional about that. So like a small example I had was when I was traveling, when I was think t- in my twenties, I'd done a lot, a lot of travel and I got back from the travel and then I started having like a negative little voice that was sort of like, ah, oh, but you didn't do enough stuff with your business. You didn't do enough this, you didn't do enough that. And then I recognized that voice and I was like, oh, that's it. For the next few weeks, I'm going to focus on gratitude for the things that I experienced. (laughs) So it's like, and that really reframed it. Like I took away from that, like I reframed that experience and it became something positive in the way that I thought about it. So trying to be proactive about picking small parts of your life to work on reframing and retraining the narrative. Yeah, that's a really good place to start.
0: Mm, that's a fantastic tip because I think I, and I know I've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast, but something that used to show up for me a lot was we all have fears of like deep rooted thoughts that we worry about. Mine has always been, I'm not smart enough to do this particular thing, or I'm not smart enough to be able to speak on this or present on that. And I remember talking to you about it, Danny, when we did that growth mindset um, episode. After that, I was like, right. I need to work on this part of me that's saying you're not smart enough. What's it worried about? What does it feel like it needs to learn? Like what? how does it need to feel like it's being heard? How can I see it? How can I work with it? Like and now I realise, oh, that part of me is actually so valuable because it's why I'm never going to stop learning. And that's an incredible piece to have so I can work with it. And I think being able to like flip the script um, and like, understand it has been so helpful for me because now I don't feel embarrassed or shameful for having that piece I feel grateful and gratitude towards it and this is what I was saying is like journaling for me has really only become helpful in the last couple of years because of all the layers of work that we have to do to be able to get to that point where we don't shame ourselves and pick on ourselves for the the voices that show up which you've just said are so normal and everyone has
2: that's definitely the best part i think and and a big key takeaway out of this is just to know that we all have these voices showing up you know in one shape or form some speak louder than others some have got the tools to be able to say hey are you actually speaking the truth yes or no but just to know that you're not a bad person by having a thought like that is such a great starting point because then you can say hey i'm not alone okay Where's some help that I can get? And obviously, on this podcast, one of the resources, but even seeking help from a trained professional is very important. But to know that, you know, we're humans and we're all having a human experience, but there are tools that we can use to ensure that the experience is as powerful and as beautiful as possible for us. So I think that is a big, big, big key takeaway, one out of many um, from this episode to know we are not alone in having these thoughts. We're humans and it's totally normal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, awesome.
0: Well, Jess, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast and be able to introduce you to the listeners as well, because I'm sure they'll be seeing uh more of you on the socials. But where can everyone find more about you, what you do, habitual self,
1: Archleys, and all things Jess? Um, yeah, probably just the Archleys website and then on Instagram. So I've got Archleys, I've got my own Instagram, and then yeah, obviously the habitual self website Instagram as well yeah yeah awesome well thanks for coming on Jess and like sharing
0: your expertise and knowledge on journaling and CBT Um, we hope everyone did enjoy this episode and as always if you did make sure that you do take a screenshot and tag us all (laughs) on Instagram and yeah thanks again Jess yeah thanks thanks, guys
2: for having me appreciate it been great and good luck uh, with the launch of your amazing journal thank you cheers (laughs)